Hi, this is Kristen Regal. And this is Paul Rock. And welcome to the Common Room Podcast. Um, every Sunday at 1045, we gather together to talk about life and spirituality, about the common experiences we share, as well as some of the questions we wrestle with. We hope you enjoy this, and we hope to see you some Sunday at 1045. in um, the third week of a sermon series post-Easter. This is still the Easter season in our liturgical calendar. Um, And this is a a series that we're calling um, Ordinary Joy in Extraordinary Times. And these have certainly been extraordinary times. And as as this pandemic and the results of it continue, uh, we we continue to hear from different members of you and and family who are affected and, and pretty poignant ways. And, and uh, so these are certainly extraordinary times. Um, and, and yet we have been talking about in this series how joy is something um, that is more than a feeling uh, and happiness even, but it is a, it's a practice. It's a discipline. And how uh, two weeks ago we talked about how when we experience something that is that, that sparks joy within us, something that we can notice as remarkable, that it, it's helpful to, to savor that, to think about it, to hold on to it, and then actually to go tell somebody else about it. Uh, and when you do that, you actually bring joy to them, and in a way you incarnate the joy of God. You become a vessel of God's joy in the world. And so savoring and telling, and then last week Kristen talked about um, thanksgiving and gratitude. And, and when we practice that, we don't need to let go of the hardship. We can have that in hand and be angst in the, in, the, in, the, in the pain, but at the same time, you can also give thanks and, and make it an effort to, to keep a gratitude journal or however it is that you discipline yourself to give thanks for even the simplest things in life. The, um, the thing that we're going to talk about t- today in terms of how you um, practice joy is, is through um, wisdom right? And, and calling to mind and heeding the wisdom of those who have instructed us in the past um, and practicing wisdom uh, can actually help us to tap into joy and to remember what it is that brings us joy. And so the scripture text this morning is from the book of Proverbs, uh, not a book that we read from a lot. Uh, and what, as we read, Winnie and Tom Davis are going to read for us this morning uh, from from Proverbs chapter three. And as they read, I want you to listen to two things. One is listen for what it is within us that can kind of perhaps um, war or push back against God's wisdom. Okay. So that's the first thing to listen for. And then secondly, um, in this passage, wisdom is personified. And I want you to recognize that. Uh, How is wisdom personified? Okay. So Proverbs chapter three, uh, are Winnie and Tom with us? Hey, look at them. You guys look fantastic. All right. My child, don't forget my instruction. Let your heart guard my commands because they will help you live a long time and provide you with well-being. Don't let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Bind them on your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and approval in the eyes of God and humanity. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own intelligence. Know him in all your paths, and he will keep your ways straight. Don't consider yourself wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then your body will be healthy and your bones strengthened. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will burst with wine. Don't reject the instruction of the Lord, my child. 
don't despise his correction. The Lord loves those he corrects, just like a father who treats his children with favor. And from Proverbs 3, 13 to 18. Happy are those who find wisdom and those who gain understanding. Her profit is better than silver and her gain better than gold. Her value exceeds pearls. All you desire can't compare with her. In her right hand is a long life. In her left are wealth and honor. Her ways are pleasant, pleasant and her paths are peaceful. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who hold tight, hold her tight are happy. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Thank you, Winnie and Tom. Happy Mother's Day, Winnie. As I said, we don't often um, hear from or read from the book of Proverbs in, uh, in worship. Uh, it is clearly a, a book of the Bible, and, and as we've talked about in the past, the Bible is, um, is not a book. Actually, it's a library, and it is a library of uh, letters, uh, history books, uh, biographies, poetry that was compiled over a thousand years. Um, and, and this um, reading from, from Proverbs falls under the literary genre of, of wisdom literature, okay? So wisdom literature is thing that kind of exploded across um, the world, really, from the East to the Middle East to Northern Africa in the 8th century, 7th century BC. People started gathering wise words and recognizing how important it was to gather wisdom and to share it with others and to remember it and repeat it throughout our lives because we tend to not always be as wise as, as we want to be. And so this, um, this snippet from, from Proverbs uh, chapter 3 is, uh, comes from the, uh, the writings of, we believe, the writings of, uh, of King Solomon. Um, and, and Solomon would have been a leader in, in Israel, would have been the king of Israel right about the 8th century BC. Fits in really well with kind of how wisdom literature was, was progressing through, through the world at this time. And the interesting thing about the, um, the wisdom literature that we find in our, in our text is that uh, both here and, and also in the book of Job in a couple of sections and in Psalms, right? So these are, some of the, these are some of the oldest writings in our sacred text, in our canon, that um, the idea of, of wisdom, and especially the, the part that Winnie just read in Proverbs chapter three, wisdom, when uh, it is spoken about in a few of these places, is personified. And I hope you caught that. And it is personified uh, as a woman. Wisdom is female. Um, in a couple of other books in, in, uh, in the Bible, Sirach or the Wisdom of Solomon, uh, these are other places where this idea of wisdom is personified as female. Now, these are books of the Bible that those of you who come from a Catholic background might be aware of, but those of us in the, in the Protestant tradition, about 500 years ago, we, we wrote a number of books out of the canon, out of the Bible, and some of those books were books that contained more of this wisdom literature, and it's a little more esoteric and, and ethereal, uh, and some of it has, has more reference to this, this female wisdom or Sophia that was there from the beginning as a part of God and part of God's creation. This idea of a, uh, an ancient, eternal wisdom that was with God and, and, and created with God was something that we as Christians, along with people of other cultures, embraced for centuries. That was just part of our belief. But um, in, in later European culture, uh, especially as we kind of separated from 
the Catholic Church in the um, in the Protestant Reformation in the, in the 16th century, as we rejected the, the worship of Mary, or at least that's what we called it, and those of us who are part of the Protestant tradition, we also rejected a lot of the other things that had to do with kind of the feminine understanding of God. And, um, and it's sad. It was a sad editing that we in order to, to delineate and uh, to distinguish ourselves from the Catholics. And we were the Protestants and, and we believed the Bible and we had a different understanding of the Bible and what books were in the Bible. But we also kind of brought a, a new understanding of God that, that minus out, that deleted some of the feminine understanding of God that was part of and continues to be part of the Catholic tradition and other faith traditions. So it was a sad bit of, of editing that that is, I believe, unnecessarily diminished our appreciation for the wholeness of God and the beauty of God and God's care and wisdom. But today we're taking it back. Today we are celebrating on, on Mother's Day the mothering wisdom of God that was there from the beginning that wisdom that all of us, I'm sure, try to recall and to live by, especially in those times when uh, when life is challenging. So I want to thank all of you who shared with me snippets and ideas and vignettes and stories from mothers or mother figures or grandmothers or aunts in your life, and, and we put those in the announcements, and I hope you got to see those at the end of the service. Alex will roll those again, uh, but thank you for that. So I want to just talk a little bit more about this uh, this character of wisdom. Um, I, it's been a while since I've worn a tie, so forgive me. It's just kind of getting used to this again. Um, but let me just, I'm gonna share my screen once again. So this, um, this character of, of, of wisdom in, in our um, English language, we, it's, it's translated as wisdom, but in the Greek, the word is Sophia. Uh, and there is Sophia, and you can see that's written in Greek there, Sophia, and it comes from the same, uh, that adjective. The, the, uh, the root is uh, sophos and, and sophisticated, and a lot of words that have to do with wisdom come from this, but Sophia, as a female character in this ancient Greek word was, was definitely feminine and it meant um, she kind of embodied wisdom, intelligence. Um, and, and this is a statue of her actually um, that is found, and I'll get another picture here for you, but it is found uh, at the front of the Library of Celsus. This is in Ephesus. This is one of the oldest libraries um, that is still standing. It actually, uh, there was an earthquake and a fire that sadly destroyed a lot of its contents only a few hundred years after it was created, but it was built uh, in the first century, about the same time that Paul would have been, the Apostle Paul would have been walking through this area of the world. This would be in what is today Turkey and Western Turkey. And if you look at this um, picture, this is the, the Library of Celsus that is in Ephesus, still stands today, and you can see some tourists there. The interesting thing about this library, again, one of the biggest libraries at the time, about 1,500 scrolls that sadly were, were lost, but that it is de decorated on the outside with, and you can see kind of down in the, in the towards the bottom, you can see these, um, these niche, these niches uh, where female characters, four female characters were displayed. It was Sophia, who is Wisdom, and Aret, who was virtue and valor, and Anoia, who was intelligence, and then uh, Episteme, who is uh, knowledge or science. And this um, this library at Ephesus was uh, was um, kind of in, embodied uh, in the images in front of it. The 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 feminine nature of, of wisdom and of knowledge and of valor that was a part of that culture at the time. So um, the interesting thing also is that as you think about Paul at this time and, and some of the writings about Christ and the resurrected Christ uh, that Paul was preaching, there were some similarities um, that were made and some parallels that were drawn between Sophia 
and Jesus or the Logos, right? So the Logos is kind of a different way of understanding Sophia. And so part of even our understanding of the incarnation of God in Christ, uh, it, it's okay uh, for it to be feminine and to have a, a feminine wisdom and strength and value it. Um, that's a beautiful thing that we shouldn't reject or step away from, but something instead that we should embrace and be thankful for. Um, so back to Sophia here. And the Sophia of, um, of Proverbs um, gets a proper introduction. If you read a little bit further in this book of Proverbs, the first eight or 10 chapters of Proverbs uh, kind of introduces this idea of why it is that knowledge and wisdom are so important. Uh, and in chapter eight of, um, of Proverbs, we get this. This is what is called uh, wisdom or Sophia's autobiography. Okay. And I'll see if I can read this for you some faces side there we go so proverbs 8 starting in chapter uh, 8 starting verse 22 the lord created me so this is sophia speaking right this is some of the oldest wisdom literature that we have in our faith tradition the lord created me at the beginning of his way before his deeds long in the past i was formed in ancient times at the beginning before the earth was i was there when he established the heavens when he marked out the horizon on the deep sea, I was beside him as a master of crafts. I love this. I was having fun, smiling before him all the time, frolicking with his inhabited earth and dating in the human race. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, I just, I love that imagery. And the sad thing is, is that in our tradition, uh, we, don't, we don't read this passage um, very often, if ever. Um, and, and because of that, I think we have kind of stolen from God a part of who God's creative nature is and the, and the playfulness and the creativity and the wisdom that was there with God from the very beginning uh, in Sophia. Um, so as we talk about joy uh, and, and how we practice joy and learn to practice joy, uh, it's about as we talk about um, adopting and adapting our habits, right? And learning new ways to, to see life and our experiences of life and to give thanks for even the simplest things. Um, and, and in that way, we can hopefully be joyful people even, even when life doesn't feel very joyous. And one of the most important things that we do and we learn in our lives that, will, um, that helps us to, to recognize true and deep happiness and joy, um, one of the early things that kind of shapes us and our ability to recognize those things and, and it disciplines us so that we practice a deeper understanding of, of, of joy and of, and of happiness is, um, is wisdom. And, and oftentimes it, it comes from women in our lives, it comes from men too, but today we're gonna focus on, on women. Women who taught us and, and, and shaped us and who tried in their own lives to practice what they preached in terms of joy. Um, one of those people I've actually got here is my, is my mom who, uh, who taught me all sorts of things uh, about life and love and practiced in the way that she loved me and loved my brother and sister, an amazing kind of embodied love. And so when I think of Sophia, I think of, uh, of Anne Clayton Rock, and I'm sure each one of us, whether it was your mother uh, or someone else in your life who, who pressed uh, and loved you and provided care and creativity and shared words of wisdom for you. Um, one of the one of the first lessons that we learn when we are uh, little kids and we continue to learn through life is that many of the things that we think and we're convinced are going to bring us happiness are really going to make life just great. 
uh, actually aren't and don't. And sometimes those things can even be dangerous, right? We, or, or they might be things that bring us happiness or, or just what we think we want for a moment or two, but in the long run, um, they are fleeting and sometimes can actually lead to uh, less happiness and pain. Um, and why I think I, I want to share with you a, another image as I'm taking, I think I shared with some of you, I'm taking this class uh, at Yale right now and uh, uh, this practice of, of happiness. And this is a, um, this is an image that I think each one of us should, uh, should have up on our walls, maybe in our living rooms. Right. I mean, we, we think, we think what we need, we know what we need to do to become happy. But what we found over and over again, and we've been reminded ever since we were little kids, and now science tells us, is that we're pretty clueless when it comes to determining what it is uh, that will bring us happiness. And, and we can't always just trust our instincts. And so the, the, um, the author of Proverbs says here, cling to wisdom, cling to knowledge. Don't always think you know uh, what is best uh, and listen to the wisdom of others because sometimes when we're pursuing, when we think we know what we're doing to pursue happiness, uh, we're actually not. Um, uh, for example, I don't know if some of you heard this pretty amazing story that was in the news this last week. Uh, there was a, um, a police officer, I believe it was in Idaho, who uh, saw someone driving erratically on the freeway, uh, on, a, on the freeway. Uh, go 35 miles an hour and the police officer um, drove up behind this person drove next to them and got them off the road got them to, to stop thought perhaps they were inebriated uh, but as the police officer got out of the car and walked up realized that the driver of this car it was an SUV actually on the freeway that had just been kind of slightly pulled over in one of the lanes was uh, a five-year-old boy this five-year-old boy uh, as the police officer soon learned and the police officer actually had to reach in and put the SUV into park because the little boy who was sitting on the edge of the seat standing on the brake didn't know how to get the car into park uh, somehow got the car onto the freeway what the police officer learned from this little boy was that he had had a fight with his mom earlier in the day uh, and the fight was over whether his mom would buy him a Lamborghini. He really wanted a Lamborghini. He'd heard songs about Lamborghinis, knew some things about them. He really wanted one and knew that it would make him happy. His mom said, sorry, sweetheart, no, I'm not going to buy you a Lamborghini. And this infuriated him so much that when his um, parents went out that night and a babysitter came over, when the babysitter was distracted or something, the boy grabbed the keys, got in the SUV, put $3 in his pocket and began driving to California where he was going to on his own buy a Lamborghini and, and be happy. Um, you can look it up, I, I promise. Uh, just look up five-year-old boy freeway Lamborghini. One of the first ways that we learn how to navigate away from things that actually could be dangerous or desires of ours that we think could make us happy um, that don't. And then one of the ways that we can navigate away from that deception and, and, and kind of point ourselves, lean more into truth and wisdom um, is that we don't always trust our instincts just because we have a feeling that something's going to make us happy or a feeling that something is going to, excuse me, bring us joy. Um, one of the things we learn from the wise people in our lives is, is that's not always the best thing to do. And it, and it would do us right to stop and to pause, to count to 10 and to think about what the people in our lives would say and to pursue that rather than the knee-jerk inclinations of our hearts that we think might bring us happiness. So I want to I want to conclude with this. Um, I want to share with you one more time. I just want to look at this uh, this passage again. 
And if I can here, I'm going to, uh, again, see if I can do this cool little zoom thing and uh, uh, write on my screen. My child, uh, don't forget my instruction. I love in, in the Proverbs um, and, and, in, and in all Bibles, there's, this isn't actually part of the text, but, the, but the, whoever translates the scripture typically puts a heading at the top. And so I love the, I love the heading of this one. Don't assume you know it all. That's a good, it's a good lesson for all of us and a good first step towards joy. There's a, there's a humility in recognizing that you don't, you don't know it all and you just need to admit that. And then this idea that um, you will live a long time if you allow for loyalty and faithfulness to stick with you. Don't allow them to leave, write them on the tablet of your heart. So this is kind of the, taking those wise words that we've been given and repeat them. Put up a sign in your bedroom if you need to or your dining room that reminds you of the deep wisdom. Um, and then you will find favor and approval in the eyes of God. Now, there's some of this wisdom that I, this wisdom literature that I don't necessarily agree with. I, I don't know that um, just because uh, you, you hold on to God's wisdom that your body will always be healthy and your bones strengthen some days. I think you can live as wisely as you can and your body doesn't feel so great. And your bones don't feel so strong. And I don't know that your barns are always going to be filled with plenty, but you get the point. The point is uh, don't reject the instruction of or don't despise the discipline, some of those things that feel disciplinary but actually are leading us into a deeper joy and a deeper wisdom. Um, part of our growth in faith is recognizing when we need to not listen to the voices in our head and listen to the wisdom of others and listen to the wisdom of scripture, um, just like a mother and father loves those and corrects those that God loves. That is what God does to us. And then, um, and then of course, the, this whole personification of wisdom that if we will not uh, think that that's over and pearls, you know, it's not, it's not just little kids that think Lamborghinis are gonna make them happy. There's, we've got all sorts of things that we like to defer our joy, defer our happiness. If only when I just live there, or when I just have this job, or when we just buy this thing, or we just have that. And, and not that those things can't bring us a little bit of happiness, but, but God calls us not to defer our understanding of joy, but to grasp a hold of it, to allow wisdom to grasp a hold of us and to be instructed by wisdom so that we can uh, be happy. Um, I'm not um, telling you anything you don't know. Uh, there is um, many of you who have, have shared with us the, the wisdom of the women in your lives who bodied Sophia and have taught you things, perhaps that you didn't think at the time that you wanted to know, but, but you're thankful now that you did. And, and so it's been fun to get emails from all of you, and, and I've gotten a number of um, thoughts and ideas and quotes and pictures from all of you, but also I've got some video clips. And so um, as we thank God for um, God's wisdom, as we thank God for the Sophia that is with us and, and continues to want to instruct us and to guide us into all things that are good and true and eternal. Um, here are a few more words of wisdom that, um, that I would like uh, to share with you from, from all of you. So thank you and let us listen to that snippet of wisdom from the, from the community of Second Press. My mom turned 90 this year and I made this sculpture in honor of her. It's called Loving My Mother. I'm here for you, Mom, because you've always been there for me. You know, so many times I would say to my mom, how could I ever thank you for all you've done for me? 
And she'd always give me the same answer. She'd smile and she'd say, you do the same for yours. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Hi, this is Bill Timaeus. My mother, who often had to readjust the wardrobe that my colorblind father picked out, was something of a stickler for appearance. She knew exactly how I should look to the public. So when, as an adult, I would visit my parents and go to church with them, she would introduce me to people I didn't know this way. This is my son, Bill. He needs a haircut. Thanks for looking out for me, Mom. Hello, second family. It's Mary Montag. Both my mom, Helen Elias Montag, and my grandmother, Rose Elias, whenever any of us would start talking about somebody and how they do things, both of them would say, Honey Bunch, it's just a different way. And those words served me well all the time. Oh, and my grandmother, Rose, 100% Lebanese, an incredible cook, would always say when we were sitting around the dinner table in Cincinnati, Ohio, honey, eat slow so you can eat more. Thank you. Hey, second. I definitely wanted to hop on this bandwagon in terms of sharing something that our mother does in any season and it has always brought great comfort and that's baking a pie. I'm in Texas, the deep south Texas right now for a fellowship to work as a midwife. But I've met a lot of great people here and one of the fellow midwives had to move back to New York City a few weeks ago. But for her going away party, I baked two French silk chocolate pies. And it was just such a gift to be able to give them before they left and we all enjoyed it. And I was so thankful my mom taught us that skill and we still are able to enjoy it at holidays and whenever we all gather. Happy Mother's Day. My mother, Brenda, among other things, is a terrific cook. And uh, most of my family, my sisters and my father would mention her pies, which are uh, highly regarded and world-class, but my recollection growing up is the blueberry pancakes that she would make. Uh, we were in the Chicago suburbs, and particularly wintertime or snow days, I just remember the most terrific, warm uh, blueberry pancakes from my mom, and it's one of my favorite uh, childhood memories, for sure. Happy Mother's Day. I want to tell you about my mother, Gwenworth. Miss Shirley's not the first Sunday school teacher in the Worth family. My mother grew up in the Leeds Baptist Church her whole life where she taught a Sunday school class which she began with two women who still were in the class when she stopped after 75 years when she was forced by loss of memory to move to a retirement home, she had to give up that Sunday school class. She always started her class with the expression from Psalms 118.24, which Kristen used in last Sunday's sermon. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. We remember my mother. Hey, second. When I was a kid, my mom had a special way of keeping me and my brothers in line. She would whisper to us, we don't do that. And we would straighten up really fast. 
Another thing I want to tell you about her is that she gave us a love and an appreciation for art. Always doing art camp in the summertime. During the current pandemic, I've thought back to those memories and had a chance to paint again. And these are the, the paintings that I'm working on uh, in the nursery for our son who's going to be born in July. And I look forward to passing along that appreciation for art as well. Hi, I'm Christy Sigler and my mom is the amazing Artie Rohr. I grew up in Pella, Iowa, which is home to an annual tulip festival. So for me growing up, Mother's Day was always at the end of three straight days of parades, tours, and working fundraising shifts. What I remember about Mother's Day going up, growing up is that I would always forget to buy a card until everything had closed on Saturday night worshiping with my entire community and the bleachers that had been set up for the parades and absolutely collapsing. So my poor mom, like every mom in Pella, never really had a Mother's Day. My mom's job as part of Tulip Time was to, with her good friend Dorothy Vanderleest, push the Blomenwagen, which means the flower cart. And so for the price of only a kiss, you could get a tulip from these two amazing ladies. So I learned two valuable lessons from my Tulip Time mom. One is always give the little things you have to people. It will absolutely make them smile. And the second thing is that Mother's Day is not a day on the calendar. It is a feeling. Happy Mother's Day to everyone, and I love you, Mom. That is the sweetest thing. Thank you so much, everybody, for sharing your wisdom and your memories. Uh, really appreciate it. Happy Mother's Day, whatever that means to you. Thank God for the Sophia, for the wisdom of God that continues to shape us.